beverages specifically will probably be 50% of the market in the next five, five to seven years, meaning that that's going to be the ideal way to consume it. Because you know, it's, you're not going to make smoking cool again. You're not going to be like, hey, soccer moms, let's all start smoking now. Like, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And I, I go back to soccer moms, but that's just general. Like, I've spoken to many more people who want to try our products because they want to reduce their smoking. They don't want to add on to it. Because whether the, whether the science is telling you that you're doing damage to your lungs or not, the perception is there. Welcome to Winning at Work, the podcast for foodies, founders, and food and beverage professionals. You know, if you wanted to discover a new brand, a new food or beverage to try, there are literally thousands of companies out there. It is very difficult to do that. That's why we curate the different, the better, and the special brands here each and every week on the podcast so you don't have to do the heavy lifting. You can just discover the new food or beverage that you want to try if you're a founder, and you're looking to connect with other like-minded executives, we make that very easy as we build our community. And if you just work in the food and beverage industry and you're looking for fresh inspiration, we have that here in spades. This podcast is sponsored by Temple. Temple can help your brand attract consumers so you can drive that product off the shelf. Temple can help you attract buyers and distributors so you can expand your retail footprint or expand into retail and or food service. And Temple attracts employees to your great company with your purpose and your mission. Let that sell. Let that be what attracts. We can show you how to do that. Just click on the attract button in the show notes for a free consultation with me and discover how you can start winning at work. Welcome to Winning at Work, everybody. It is Tony, and, you know, I'm kind of excited. I've got a new category today. I've, I'm going to get to talk about the cannabis space and the category, and I've got Jason Raposa today. He's the founder of Good Feels. Jason, welcome in, my man. Thank you so much for having me. This Listen, I know you are just loaded with information and being the first in this category on my show, I do have a lot of questions, but I just want to say, I also kind of dug in because I wanted to get a better handle on just some of the general challenges that someone has playing in the cannabis space. And I don't want us to spend a ton of time on it because the information's out there. So I thought I would just kind of put it out there just in general, and then we can kind of move beyond it. Maybe you can add to it. But from what I'm seeing is, look, federal level, right, it's still a controlled substance, right? It's considered a scheduled one. You've got roughly 18 states that allow for either legalized, um, it's legalized for either medical or recreational, right? And then maybe roughly, what, 36 states that you can use it for medical purposes. And then beyond that, now each state has its own regulatory body and structure they're going to be looking at you know, regulating like potency, safety, purity, how it's cultivated, processed, distributed. Then another layer on top of that is like maybe limited access to banking and financial services. I'm just going to tell you, as a libertarian, I hear this and it's like a nightmare, yeah. right? Yeah, and that's exactly Live and let live, <laughs> I say. So why in the world <laughs> would you try to operate with all this red tape, Jason, this must be one hell of a product. 
Well, uh, it is, quite frankly. So there's, I mean, let's get down to it. Obviously, there's a lot of overregulation, but it's because it was in prohibition, right? So ultimately, when you first start to make the inroads of making something legal again, you're going to face a lot of regulation because people just don't know what to do with it. A lot of people are not educated on it. So, but why why get into the space though? Is because there, like, with those risks, with those extra kind of uh, regulations that are put on us, comes large reward, right? The opportunity is massive in cannabis, and people are like, "Oh, cannabis public stocks are down, like they're down like eighty percent." We're not like that's not our category. We're not a publicly traded, you know, cannabis stock. We weren't one of the original ones that were coming in and growing, you know, millions and millions of crops, and then all of a sudden being like, "Why isn't anybody buying all of our crops?" So, we're in a totally different category, right? We're, we're a private company, and our products are some of the hottest in the market right now. So, for us, it's all about the opportunity, and that with those regulations comes a very large moat because it takes you exactly. a long time to get into the industry. Exactly. Once you get yourself established in a, into a state. It's very difficult for someone else to come in. So once you've got it, you got a chance to get that market share. Well, before we get too deep into the business and all these kind of round-robin questions that I've just been thinking about, because this is such a fascinating topic, tell us more about Good Feels and really what your entry is right now into the marketplace. I know you've got seltzers, and I know you've got this beverage enhancer. So kind of walk us through just your brand, your mission, and, and kind of how you're positioning yourself to the consumer right now. Yeah, so Goodfeels is, like you mentioned, a cannabis beverage uh, company. So we make the ready-to-drink 12-ounce seltzers. Those come in four different flavors and one seasonal rotational. Uh, we treat it more like a brewery than anything because we we have our core flavors that people just love. Like people, Our Blood Orange sells so, so well into the market. Uh, Black Cherry is also another great contender. Raspberry Apple actually is also one of my favorites. So with those, we purpose built those to be just delicious, right? Because when you're trying to put cannabis oil into water, oil and water don't mix, which comes up a whole can of worms, right? So for us, we really focused on, once we solved that issue, we focused on the taste because a lot of beverages just don't taste good. And if it doesn't taste exactly. good, people aren't going to buy it again. Right. So we knew that from the very beginning that we were going to make this as delicious as possible. Um, and then our beverage enhancer line, that's the one that I'm kind of most proud of because even though we're able to make the ready-to-drinks like really delicious, the innovation – and we actually just won the award at NECAN uh, in Boston last uh, – like a month ago for you know best cannabis innovation in 2023. And you didn't even – someone <clears throat> nominated you. Right. You have to only be nominated. So I don't do the pay-to-play award shows. Like right, if I like have to pay like your dollars yeah. to like enter, I'm not doing it. It's just right. I just I just have That's something broken. against it. I can't do it. Right. You know, we had tried that back in my earlier days with like the tech companies, and I think we applied to the Wubby Awards one year or something like that. And I think there was a fee attached to that. But ever, ever since then, I basically have never done it. I just have a policy of not not doing it. But yeah, we got uh, awarded that though. We got nominated and awarded the best cannabis innovation. And the reason why is because the enhancer is the on-the-go portable product. So if you, like me, suffer from stress or anxiety, you can microdose just a little bit, right? We're not talking about going to the moon. We're not talking about, hey, have this gummy and then six hours later, you'll be coming down, right? Right. Um, people don't have time for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're adults here. We're, we adults, can, right. 
You know what I mean? Like there's some people who are going to go off and like, I just want to get high tonight and you know, whatever. But for the, for the moderate consumer and even more importantly, the entry level consumer, which there is a lot more people coming into cannabis right now, you need low dose products. You need something that's a milligram or two milligrams or maybe upwards of five milligrams because after a few milligrams, like you're feeling more relaxed than anything, especially with our products. You're not feeling high. Right. So by the time you get up to like, you know, a couple of doses though, maybe you're feeling a bit high at that point. But for us, it's about that entry level ease in, uh, I use the word titration, which is the worst because it's such a science. Wait, titration? Term. What is that? Yeah. Sorry. It's a sciencey word. Basically when you titrate, you're just adding a little bit at a time to get to the level where you are. And so you're taking a milligram or two at a time to be able to get right. to like your final dose. And then you kind of just cruise at that level versus when you take a traditional edible, for instance, the, the reason why traditional edibles are so problematic is everybody has that nightmare story. You take an edible, you wait 45 minutes and you're like, did I take that edible or not? Like, hmm. Oh, let and me take another, take another one. one. Let me take another one. Oh, so we take another one. And then like 30 minutes later, you're like, oh my God, I got to like party's over. I'm going to my bed. I'm going to like, and you're having a panic attack in bed now. Like, like I went too bad. far. Yeah. It just went too far. There's no control. Right. And what we've done is we solved the control issue, which we think is the largest barrier of entry for cannabis consumers, because they're not going to consume something if they don't know what's going to happen. Right. So that's the biggest thing about the beverage enhancer is we're able to control it because it comes in a dropper bottle. You can have one milligram, you can have five milligrams, you can have the whole bottle, although I can't, I can't technically encourage that because I get, it goes against the regulations uh, for compliance reasons. I can't actually say drink the whole bottle, although people have told me they have. But you know, people who have like really high, high tolerances have. Right. But, they went to the moon, maybe beyond. Yeah, exactly. uh, what I thought was cool about that, though, it, it, you some of those were um, flavorless, which I thought was yeah interesting, and, right? Because then you can blend it in whatever you want in your yeah. Diet. Because you know our, our flavored ones like lemon, lime, and raspberry, those are you know there's a great like iced tea, lemonade. Um, people put it in their salads as like a vinaigrette, right? Like just add a little, little, cause it has a little sour flavor too. Um, a salad, that's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, you can really infuse anything. What we, you know, in my Instagram video, sometimes I'll end it with infuse the world, man, because it really is anything you can imagine that's water-based. You can put it in hot sauce, barbecue sauce, you know, uh, your ketchup, whatever you want. You just mix it in and you've got infused ketchup. And so it has the ultimate ultimate versatile product. So you have to you have to think beyond just beverages, even though it's called the beverage enhancer. It can literally go in anything that's water based, um, and you can cook with it too. Uh, we always try to tell people to finish with it though uh, to be safe, because you want to just like add it as like almost like a squeeze of lemon in your drink or a squeeze of lemon. Right. Over you don't want to put it to a hot pan or something. Yeah, exactly. If you put it in a hot pan, it's gonna maybe some off flavors will get produced. So let's get into your market then, because you've really kind of opened up a large, really segment of people that can use and sample and try this. So when you look at the marketplace and you said it's growing and everyone admits that it's growing, where's your target market and, and who do you think is your customer? So a lot of, so our customers are people who suffer from one of those three common ailments. Uh, typically we all, which I'll get to in a second, but we also target, you know, 25, 30 year olds plus, so we're not uh we're not a party substance, right? Although you can, you know, but that's not our target demographic. We're not that, you know, hey, let's go out and get high. It's more a, of a wellness uh, established person who's like, hey, I'm athletic, 
I have kids. Uh, you know, I just want to relax at the end of the day. I had a lot of stress at work and I want to go have fun with my family. And so I'll have a couple of milligrams and just relax. And, you know, you find yourself in many ways, you find yourself more engaged with your family, right? There's, I've never laughed harder than having, having a little bit of good feels and reading my daughter's stories in bed. Like it is, it just changes the ball game when it comes to parenting with your children. It, it's made me a better person overall, but especially as a parent. But the three common ailments that people almost always go back to with cannabis, and one of the reasons why I got into cannabis, is sleep, pain management, and anxiety slash stress. So as long as the world suffers from one of those ailments, cannabis is not going away anytime soon because it does wonders for people who have suffered in any of those ailments. And were you suffering? So you said you were, you kind of came at it from the, um, the stress and the anxiety side. Yeah. And like, if you're into whole, if you're into wellness too, the last thing you want to be doing is smoking anything. Right. Right, Exactly. So you don't want to inhale. Yeah. That's, that was my number one thing. And I also didn't want to smoke it around my children either. Right. Cause it's just like, Oh, wait a second. You can't vape, but I can like, it just, it's hypocritical. Like I just couldn't do that with my children. So smoking, inhaling anything is typically off limits uh, as far as how I consume. Uh, occasionally at these conferences, people will pass you all kinds of stuff and you kind of have to be polite sometimes and say like, all right, I don't smoke. And some, you know, most people know I don't smoke, but sometimes you'd be like, thank you so much. Like I'm going to pass on this one, but you get passed a lot of stuff at these conferences. But the, uh, the point being that, yes, I do suffer from stress and anxiety, um, and running a cannabis beverage business doesn't necessarily help with that. So <laughs> I, you know, just, this is a pretty intense. Down. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is the hardest business I've ever had to run, uh, and truth be told. So, but when it comes to the, uh, the stress and anxiety side, I just, I hold it in my neck. I just like, I just really, and I'll clench my teeth and, it's not good. And the last time it happened, uh, or I should, yeah, the last time I, uh, I was under a lot of stress was when I was selling my last company. And so during the process of selling the company, I happened to be traveling in the mountains of Peru on the Inca trail. And I was so under stress and throughout just exhaustion of the day of like hiking these six, seven hour hikes, um, you know, up and down. It was, I think the, the, where we were going was dead woman's pass. It's like this famous, like the highest altitude you get to it's, you know, like 14,000 or something like that. And that's that day after all it was done, I woke up and I couldn't open my mouth. I would, my, my jaw was just stuck shut. And so when, when I got back to the, the States and I started going to doctors and dentists and they were injecting needles in my head, they were doing electroshock stuff. They were like trying to just relieve the inflammation and open up my jaw. And, but they were treating the symptoms, right? They weren't treating the cause. The root cause was my stress, right? And what does right. cannabis help with? Stress. So it was like, I was like, duh. And so I eventually tried cannabis. Like many people in my situation, the last resort is like, all right, let me try this cannabis thing. I've heard about all the benefits and you know, as soon as I tried it and I started and woke up the next day and I felt a little bit better, a little bit better. And over a period of like a, a couple of weeks, I was able to open my jaw. I was able to eat bagels again, you know, you know, really, you know, rough foods uh, or chewy foods, I should say. Right, right. That really, you know, engaged the back of the, of the jaw. Yeah, exactly. Was, that TMJ yeah. kind of like that whole that whole area. And right. ever since then, I've kind of never looked back. And once I had sold the company and I closed on that deal, I, I said, you know, maybe this is my next big thing. Given your current state of of your business, 
you know, when you think about going to market right now to attract more consumers or to attract more wholesalers for the stage of the company you're in, what's your general like marketing philosophy, what works, what are the challenges in that? So, uh, yeah, no, and that's that's topical because that's what we're doing on a day-to-day basis, right? So what we have is, you know, with our products, since it's, you know, it's technically wholesale, although there's a press release going out literally today about our D2C, but skipping that for now, on the B2B side or B2B2C side, LinkedIn is super powerful, Right. So LinkedIn has been extremely powerful of raising my voice, my personal brand, and therefore good feels and putting it in front of as many people as possible. Right. So, and, you know, a lot of wholesalers or a lot of buyers are in on LinkedIn and they're watching me. Right. And so I always watch engagement numbers. So, for instance, on a post that gets only like a thousand impressions, I will still have like upwards of a hundred reactions. Right. And like 20 comments. And so, think about that ratio. Like I know people who have 30,000 followers and when they post something, they get like three likes. How do you get with 30,000 followers? I don't know how many of them are fake. You get How does that even, I, listen, that is, yeah. yeah. Don't get me started. I, get, on that. I have 7,000. I feel like followers. I'm shadow banned. I feel like I'm yeah. shadow banned. Exactly. In that case, are you actually shadow banned? And, you know, but I right. don't know where these numbers are coming from and stuff like that. So like my average post gets anywhere between, uh, on LinkedIn gets anywhere between, you know, 3,500 to like 6,500 uh, impressions, right? But with that, I get, you know, I get those 100 reactions and all this other stuff. So it's all about engagement. And I have a really high, highly engaged audience on LinkedIn. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is you have to show up. Um, I also run an events newsletter because I was always being left out of the parties just because I wasn't the I wasn't the person that they were sending the invitation to, or when, if they did, it would always be like the day of. And I'd be like, I've got other things I'm doing that day, like I can't go to this event. And so I started an events newsletter to inject myself or insert myself in the conversation to say like, oh, hey, if you want me to send it to all the other industry insiders who you want to be at your parties, send me the invite first and then I'll distribute. And so I was able to capture a lot of people through that means as well, because now I control the event space in, say, like the Northeast for cannabis, right? Um, beyond that, though, and this is like we say Maryland to Maine is typically what we do. So Maryland, you had mentioned 18 states. Maryland and Minnesota are right there now. So we're going to be at 20 states really soon. So it's they're all coming, and it's it's one of the snowball effects. Right. They don't want to be the last state to uh, to uh, pass it. Yeah. I'd be curious to, to know uh, what the last state will be before federal legalization will ha- happen. It's inevitable, yeah, though. Now, Georgia, oh, well, I'm, I would only guess it'd be somewhere in the Bible Belt, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like a like a Alabama, maybe. Alabama. That sounds reasonable. Yeah, because I know I'd Georgia just relaunched launched their medical program, I think. So they're definitely more open to it. Yeah, so they're already – yeah. And I would say probably, yeah, Alabama because Georgia, they've had a pretty big influx of uh, – kind of that Western thinking, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of, you know, the new Hollywood has come. Right. Right. So yeah, Georgia's a hot spot for Hollywood right now. So <clears throat> basically, oh, yeah, so, uh, you know, showing up at the, at the parties though is really impactful in our industry. You have to show up at these events because if you don't, it's all relationship building right now, of course. And if you're in the normal food and beverage world, you can go to like Expo East, Expo West, like all these big conferences and meet a lot of people and shake a lot of hands and meet a lot of brands and distributors and all this other stuff. 
But in the cannabis world, since it's state by state in the licensed um, cannabis world, that right. means showing up to all the Massachusetts events to make sure people understand that like, hey, I'm a brand, I'm here, let's talk. Like, unless, you know, and you know, it's it's like that same advice when you talk about like, what do they say about investors? It's like, ask for advice, don't ask for investment, right? Same thing with these B2B wholesalers. It's like you ask, you like, you build a relationship with them first before you say like, hey, here's my menu, go buy something, right? I, before we go today, I, I do want to make sure we get into investment. So let's, I don't want to forget that topic. I know you brought it up now, but I don't want to get into it mm -hmm. yet. But I, I am fascinated by that because I know you're in such a, it's such a challenging in, you know, market right now for, um, for Rays. So I want to talk about though, you mentioned B2B to C. So right now, technically a wholesaler. So uh, talk to me then about the challenges in distribution and or brokerage model. What, mm -hmm. what happens there in that space? Yeah. So it's all different. So it's, it's one of those bizarre situations where once we were able to sell cannabis inside of Massachusetts, we basically recreated the wheel in, of every of the food and beverage or even just the CPG space in general, right? So we had to home grow our own distribution networks. We had to home grow. We don't even really have like strong warehousing right now. Everybody distributes basically, or most people distribute from their facility directly to the retailer. That's how insane it is. There's like no middle person in, in any way. Um, there are some things coming out right now, but you're basically recreating the wheel. So distribution is a huge problem for us because we're also transporting water, right? Seltzer, it's just water and carbonation, flavor and infusion. So it's not much that you're, you know, that there's nothing, there's not much that goes into it, but it, you know, transporting it is obviously problematic uh, in many ways. So on the distribution side specifically, um, we still self-distribute. We use a transporter service, which will basically pick it up from our facility and drive it directly to the retailer, and then it'll put it on the shelves, and then the consumers can buy it. So that's why I say B two B two C. Yeah, I've had other conversations where there's been no infrastructure, and the the entrepreneurs had to pretty much build it out. In some ways, with you, you know, if you're first or nearly first in any new market, it kind of gives you an opportunity to establish the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's benefits. Opens up different business opportunities. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can right? so now you could be the transporter. You could be the exactly, warehouse. You could you could exactly. take on other people's brands, right? And so that's actually part of our expansion right now. Is we're in talks with probably like five or six other people oh. who want to bring who want to bring drinks into the market or different beverage beverage enhancers, and they love our tech because we have the best tasting seltzer out there, the cleanest tasting seltzer, right? So they want to use our tech and they want us to bring out drinks for them. So for us, it's like, well, we have the infrastructure, we have the bottling machine, we're bringing on more equipment right now. We're actually looking at financing some canning line stuff and all that other stuff. So for us, it's like, it's very easy for us to now that say, hey, we've got the licensed facility and we're adding another 5,000 square feet or so. Let's bring in, you know, let's, let's kind of buffer like, or diversify our revenue a little bit to bring in these other brands into the market. Yeah, it's kind of like, you look at your laptop and it's, you know, power, it's like Intel inside, you know, you're like powered by good feels. Exactly. It's powered by good feels. Exactly how we say it. So it just depends oh, on the do? product. Okay. Yeah. It depends on the product. So some people, you know, if we're working with a retailer, we're working with one retailer right now that we're just doing a white label. And the reason why is because we don't really want to upset any of our other retailers. So, so for us, it's like, if there, if a retailer is coming to us and say, Hey, we want our own product. Uh, you, we want we want you to you know power by good feels. And I'll say no because I don't like all the other retailers. They all talk, 
And I don't want them to be, I don't want to be known as like, Hey, I'm favoring this one retailer over you guys. Right. So exactly. We, because you still want to get your product and notice their stores too. Yeah, so it's exactly. like, you can't play exactly that. So we have to be careful with what we do because we have our own brands. Yeah. Cause we're not straight, just a straight co-packer. We, um, we have the ability to co-pack, but we also have our own brands. So a, when I say a normal beverage brand, something that's, you know, not infused with, uh, with cannabis, you can just go out and set up sampling and work mm-hmm. on customer activation. So how do you handle sampling and customer activation in this regulated market? So the big, the big tactics we use, which is pretty well known in the industry now is just pop-ups. So we'll do demos inside of retail stores, but they won't be infused with THC, right? Or in some cases, not even CBD. So we'll take a, our normal bottling process and we'll bottle uninfused samples. We just won't include the THC infusion. Oh, so it tastes right. the same. It's just the fact that the uh, there's no THC and CBD in it. There's no good feel. You don't get the good feel. You get a good, <laughs> you get a good taste, a great taste. Um, of but course, the, of course. Yeah. Of course. So, but so we sample it like that inside, uh, you know, and so, there are some consumption events that are coming up that we're partnering with brand, uh, with the, you know, conferences on. So there's a p- potential for us, some of these events for us to actually sample live product, but, um, it has to be purchased through the retail. Like we still can't just take it from our vault. Yes. There's a thing called a vault in cannabis um, where you store everything. It's not that oh, crazy. It's crazy sounding. It's more, it's more impressive sounding than it is. Actually I know. I love the sound of it. The but vault. taking it, but it's called vault. Though. That's the regulations, what they call it. But basically, you, know whoa, whoa, whoa. you need to start a podcast called <laughs> the vault, the vault <laughs> where all the cannabis secrets are. And I'm going <laughs> to re- reveal them. There it is. Yeah. I love it. I love it. No, I actually have been your inspirational, Tony. I love this. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, for those of you who have not taken the Clifton Strengths Finder, you should. Yeah. I love the Clifton Strength. Yes. Um, I love it. That sounds it great. Just, it helped me just understand like how I show up. Mm-hmm. And my first two are activation or our activator and um, ideation. Okay. Okay. So, so you're idea guy. Idea guy and just jump in and do it. Act, learn, adjust. Yeah, I love it. Oh, I'll have to check that out. If yeah, so I, okay. I've failed every test I've taken, so I don't know if I'm going to pass that one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just might come back. Okay, funny story. <laughs> funny story. So my wife is, you know, I hear her on this company call she's got, and her boss is like, "Oh, Lenny, you need to check out this um, AI generated uh, photo shoot I just went into," and. She calls me over and and he's kind of rolling through his all these pictures that AI came up with. And I'm like, man, these things look amazing. And my wife looked at me. She said, you I take the worst picture. She's like, Tony, you, you need to do this. And I said, I'll do it. But, I, you know, I've always got that deer in the headlight. Look, I don't photograph very well. So you're talking about failing tests. I didn't mm-hmm. think there was any way to fail this. I literally <laughs> – we got the craziest looking pictures no back. No way. And yeah. So, yes. <laughs> you failed that test? I That's failed hilarious. That. I was like, oh, my Even God. AI couldn't do it. Even AI it. <laughs> not. She's like, she's like, gosh. So, anyway, my, husband, my, my wife was just hoping to finally get a good picture of her husband. Yeah, I yeah. Failed. So – so those are some of your challenges with the, the the consumer, right? You can't do the live uh, infused, right? Oh, yeah. You have to kind of go with the, the, the stripped down version. It still tastes good. 
I'm just curious though, when it comes to liability and things like that, do you have to, I'm just curious, how does that work with people sampling? If you do get into sampling? Yeah. So, you know, we're obviously walking off, you know, yeah, so we, exactly. So we, that's why we, that's why we were saying like in like very rare cases, there'll be a conference where we can actually have live product, but the ones where, you know, the ones that we go to typically, especially in retail, you can't have live product that just goes against the regulations entirely. Yeah, yeah, you just can't so do it. there's no liability there. It's, it's the fact that like, when you go to some of these conferences, you know, there's obviously insurance companies that do take cannabis now. So we're covered, um, you know, we, again, cannabis banking, cannabis insurance, there's like specific verticals that have, I mean, the cannabis vertical itself is like a separate homeless world where you have to exist. You know, when I first started, for instance, cannabis banking, they were charging me $2,000 a month just to hold my account, just for banking. Like that's it. $2,000 a month, right? So like it got, it's crazy. Now it's way less than that because there's more competition in the market, but in the beginning, Nobody knew what was going on. Even the bankers, yeah. they didn't know because since well, it's the a, actuaries didn't know, and that's how they <laughs> they came to the number. They're like two thousand dollars sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I think Jason's got those cool glasses. You know, he, he, he can, can afford. afford. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's how exactly how it worked. So uh, yeah, but that's the, the so there's insurance out there. You can get you know obviously to 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 be insured in this industry is really important um but even it's like it's funny things like that since it's federally illegal we don't even have bankruptcy protection right so like if we go bankrupt it's just we owe like i don't know if it's personal i actually don't know i'm not attorney i don't pretend to be one but i don't know like how does the how do the debtors get their money back do they sue me now you know what i mean like i don't get it (laughs) yeah uh if you're listening skip over this part (laughs) we want to protect Jason at all costs. All right. Let's let's talk about investors. How do you go about talking to investors? What's the environment like? Help us understand the world of finance. Yeah. So on the investor side, we've been pretty successful, right? So we, you know, I self-funded the first kind of round of all this stuff. And so I knew that I wanted to get launched before I took on any additional funding we did a small friends and family round last year, and we actually just uh, over the last month and a half, I want to say now, kicked off a funding round. We're basically closed at this point, which is fantastic. We only have a couple of small checks we get to fill. But like on the investor side, there's a lot of excitement in cannabis still. And like I referred to in the beginning, we're not a publicly traded stock. If you got burnt by, you know, I'm not going to mention any names because I have friends in a lot of these companies, but if you got burned by one of those publicly traded stocks and you're like, hey, I, you know, I invested $100,000 and I only have $10,000 to show for it now, like that's not us. You know what I mean? Like we're one of those high growth trajectory stories that like are, we're going to be dominating the market here. And so in many beverage companies, in many ways, as you are aware, will succeed, right? Not all of them, you know, but many will. You know, those days where you'd have like, you know, a, teque- a celebrity tequila brand, 600, $600 million exits and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's like, it's absurd. But with cannabis beverages, the investor, you know, the investor side of this is pretty straightforward because they see kind of where we are today and where the market is going. And as long as we, as long as the market does what we expect it to do, and as long as we keep on executing, like we're going to be one of those $100 million plus companies. Jason, do you actually get IRI data? No. You know why? Why? What is IRI? Uh, I don't know. What <laughs> <it is. laughs> like it's the it's the retail data. 
that shows oh right so no we don't so it's like the state actually has the ability to solve this because it's a state by state basis right now so like although although we're going national in the next like couple months like the the state by state basis like every state does it a little differently and everything has to be tracked the state cares about diversion right the state only cares about like hey as long as the it doesn't get in the hands of of a you know a minor 21 or, or under or under 21, I should say, not 21 and under. Under 21-year-old person gets a hand, hold of it. That's when the state cares, right? The state cares about diversion, meaning that like if you're taking product out of your vault and handing it to a minor, right? So for the um, – where's I even going with that? I don't even remember. <laughs> okay, stop dosing. <laughs> exactly. No, no, no. I just got out of my – I got out of a workout. I took some CBD. Now I'm like more relaxed here. You reached your plateau. And now you're just, you're cruising. No, I was just curious about the, um, Oh, retail data. Well, yeah, because you're talking about investors and, you know, buyers, you know, buyers want to see how it's going. Mm -hmm. You can show IRI data. I was thinking investors in the same vein, show us your vault numbers. Exactly. And so, well, so from the investor side, you know, sales velocities, you can, you can tell from the wholesale data, right? So you're saying like, I'm selling all these units and they're ordering it, you know, every six weeks they place another order. So you get yeah. sales velocities. But the problem is on a day-to-day basis, you don't know how you're doing because the retailers don't share any data with you. However, they it's do. all tracked by the state level. The state knows when every sale happens. It's called seat to sale tracking. It's by a company called Metric in Massachusetts. There's BioTrack as well in other states, but like Metric is primarily what everybody uses across the country. And Metric tracks everything, literally from the seed it was planted to the final product as it was sold, seed to sale. So we know how our products are doing in these stores if we could just look look at the actual data that's being reported. Just our data. We're not care. We don't care about our competitor data. We're just trying to find our data. That's the first step. Like, and that's the thing that's lacking in the industry right now is there's no insights into how we're doing on a day to day basis. But they've got the data, so they don't. That's and they don't the retailers it. don't they don't they no, protect the, everything they just don't want they don't want to reveal anything that they're doing no i know it. because the competitors will use it and they'll exploit it or right. whatever but but the but the technology you said what was the mm-hmm. name of that company metric it's m-e-t-r-c so there's no relationship there's no ability to get that data from them no because it's up to the state to kind of make them do it um so mm-hmm. as far as i understand the problem is like we'd have to petition the state the regulators themselves to basically force this rule to say like, Hey, metric now needs to report on this information. So, and the CCC, which is our regulatory body, like a lot of well-intentioned people, but also some people that aren't so well-intentioned either. And so like a lot of stuff, it's a state, you know, entity. So like things get lost occasionally, you know, we send them an email and then three weeks later, they finally return, respond to you saying like, Hey, we got your email. With Look, no like it, no, with no answer, you know. And it listen, you've got other hills to die on. Yeah, and exactly. Probably, and so, like, and that's just not one of them. I mean, yeah. would you? I mean, personally, I think you probably should spend time with one of the lobbyists and tell them here are our chief concerns. This is what we want to see. Mm-hmm. And you we know, do. we do. And so, like, there was Rep. Don- Rep. Donahue was at an event the other last week, actually. Representative Dan Donahue, who is the chair of the, or he's on the committee, anyways for Massachusetts Cannabis Committee, but he's a representative. And he was very open to a lot of these discussions. And But there are bigger fish to fry right now, like HCA reform, like towns. There, It's like um, 
you don't know what HC is, but it's not pretty. It's like basically when the CCC was formed, they gave a lot of rights to the town and to the landlords in those towns because every town who voted to opt in to cannabis basically and then there's different even gradations on that like some people some towns don't even allow retail but they'll allow you to manufacture right like that's my town like they'll allow me to manufacture but we can't have a store so every town is different um but the ones that um uh when we first started a lot of them charge these crazy crazy fees to be there if you want the hca which is called the host community agreement which basically is a contract between you and the town if you want to allow you to sell retail no, just or, well, I mean any 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 operator, any license type, not just retail. Oh, could be for product oh, okay. manufacturers like myself. Mm-hmm. I remember, here's a horror story for you. I went to a town once and they said, uh, I was like, Hey, I want to start this cannabis company. Uh, what do I need to do? They're like, All right, you gotta find a lease. And then once you find your lease, then you're gonna come back to us and tell us what the address is and we'll pop into the HCA. I'm like, cool, I've heard of a lot about these HCAs. Like, can I can you share yours? They're like, well, we'll share it with you, but just so you know, you need to come up with at least two hundred fifty thousand dollars minimum in year, uh, yearly fees. And I go, they're just leasing you. I go, wait a second. It's I heard I thought the HCA was a maximum of three percent of gross revenue as an impact fee. They're called impact fees. So they're like, yeah, but we're also getting donations for our fire department. We're building sidewalks, and you have to donate like you know, $250,000 minimum pay to play. And I was like, just to be here, just to exist in this world. They're like, yep. So long story short, like impact fees, this is what everybody's dealing with right now. And they're still dealing with it. Even though governor Baker had signed um, a relief on this, it's basically that formalized it basically saying it is capped at 3%. You can't add in all these additional fees and all this other stuff. It's capped at 3%, but every town is, now going all the way to this 3% and saying like, we don't care. We're just charging you the full 3%. But that's also goes against the spirit of the rule because an HC8 is defined as any reasonable cost associated with the impact of your business being in that town. But who defines what's reasonable is the question, right? Well, but impact, I would say the economic benefits would offset any quote unquote impact. Well, in our specific case, we have zero employment. Like we, like we're just in a industrial park in the back of the industrial park with like no traffic. Like there's a couple employees who come in every day and the rest of us are remote. So like what impact are we, there's no, we literally have no impact. And I told the town manager right after we actually started going to the, uh, when governor Baker signed in these new rules, I went back to the town and I was just like, listen, what's our impact? Give us our receipt because, you know, tell us exactly what we impact. And they're like, well, we can't. Um, and they never have sent us anything ever because we have zero. Yeah, they know it's bullshit. Yeah. They know yeah I was is. talking to just as a surprise, like for shock value, add this little anecdote. I was talking in that same meeting with rep Donahue. We were, I was talking to other retailers in this one town and the retailers are like, yeah, they charge us the 3% and they want their money because a renewal is coming up. And if we don't give them this money, they're not going to renew this HCA. And therefore, we're going to be out of the town. Like, we can't operate without that HCA. So now it's like this blackmail where it's just like, hey, you pay us this 3%. And guess what was on their list of receipts? Narcan. What does Narcan have anything to do with the impact of what a cannabis retailer is doing? Narcan is what you use for fentanyl uh, overdoses. Like, how is that related in any way? So it's like, it's just situations like that. You're like, how could you even suggest something like that is 
any any way related to what we're doing as an operator. Well, and that goes back to which hill do you die on? Now right. that's one you're going to fight. You're yeah. going to fight that. They're fighting that right now, but they're just they're not sure what yeah. to do because it's like the town charges if you're a retailer, they get a 3% tax and then their sales tax and then there is this excise tax also on top of all that. So it comes up to 20%. When a consumer walks into that store and they buy $100 for the product, they're charged $120. And the, then because the town gets their money and the state gets their money. And then on top of that, they're trying to charge the retailers an additional 3% on top of all that. Yeah. I mean, at least it's broken down so the consumer can see it. So maybe you can get some kind of grassroots movement to push back on that because, yeah. you know, but that's a, that's kind of a long battle. Well, that was the, that was the carrot, right? That, the carrot was you're going to get a bunch of tax revenue. And so we kind of like are okay with the taxes for the time being. It's the impact fee, which is like really crazy where it's just like if we had an impact, if we have to hire more, uh, you know, officer details, if we have, you know, to direct traffic, if we have right, to do right. X, Y, and Z – we impacted you totally, but and we'll pay that. But but obviously, impact, there's no way for them to track it. It's just an arbitrary fee. It's yeah, just, exactly. It's they and they don't track it. Is to be right, to exactly, be honest, yeah, they don't track right, it. Right, right, right. They just take a well, number and they say three percent. Yeah. If you had, you know what, had you said it, if they had, had they said it was four percent or five percent, guess what? Exactly. It, it'd be right. It'd, it'd be five percent. Right it'd be five percent. Um, well, listen, Jason. As we start wrapping up, I want to know. You're at the front. You're at the tip of the spear, as you say. You're you're on the verge of being national. And what's broad question? You know, what is the future of cannabis? Whoa! So there's a lot there. Um, the future of cannabis is, you know, the, it, obviously I've heard lots of different opinions. We've had opinions from, say, Boris Jordan, who's the uh, one of the founders of Cureleaf, one of those publicly traded companies. And I know Boris gets a bad rap often. Um, but he did actually say in one of the last year, he was like beverages specifically will probably be 50% of the market in the next five, five to seven years. Meaning that that's going to be the ideal way to consume it because you know, it's, you're not going to make smoking cool again. You're not going to be like, Hey, soccer moms, let's all start smoking now. Like, you know, it just doesn't work that way. And I, I go back to soccer moms, but that's just general. Like I've spoken to many more people who want to try our products because they want to reduce their smoking. They don't want to add on to it because whether the, whether the science is telling you that you're doing damage to your lungs or not, the perception is there. So, because the science is always mixed on some of these things because you get, you know, certain people backing different, you know, different. It gets uh, political. Science has become political. It's political. So like, who knows if it's actually doing any damage to your lungs? It doesn't matter. The perception is there. So, for us, you know, we're very much a beverage company. We're going to continue to be operating as a beverage company. And we do believe in the next, you know, five to seven years, beverages will play a significant role in the cannabis industry, whether it's a national play or at a state level, because it's a really convenient way to consume. And our enhancers are the most convenient because you can drop it in anything. And so therefore, it, and of course, it's portable, but it's also super discreet. Like people don't know have to, like libertarian vibe, like, like you literally don't have to know what I'm drinking. Right? right. If you see me with a beer, I'm drinking a beer. If you see me with like a, a fizzy drink, you don't know what's in there. So yeah. it's like, you know, to each his own in that in that case. And so I, I feel like there's a lot of people who are going to jump onto the cannabis bag, bandwagon even more. The biggest block for a lot of these people is they don't have control. Yeah. 
So as soon as they find our products, which again, goes back to the whole point of marketing and advertising is so, so difficult in cannabis because we could only really be in stores and doing demos. And that's how you find out about us, which means they're your existing cannabis consumer. A lot of people who are finding it for the first time is kind of where our heart is right now. And that's why our national play and our ability to start doing some better or truer kind of more advertising, stronger models is where we're going to kind of shine. And that's where we're going to be able to generate significant growth over the next few years. Wait, you said something about the advertising. I know I was about to wrap this up, but now I'm like, wait a minute. Because when I come to think of it, I'd never see any advertising for cannabis. You can't. So you can't. So in Massachusetts, you can. So again, so, again, state by state, right? Yeah. Or so it, it's it's state by state, but it's generally like the same rules, which is 85%. You have to guarantee your audience is uh, 21 plus, 85% of them. So a couple of companies have been able to, like a clear channel has been able to like kind of done, they've done the research. They've They've counted the cars. So, so billboards are a thing in cannabis. And so you'll see a lot of cannabis companies using billboards. Like you just can't guarantee, like it's hard to guarantee 85% plus. So for us. Wait, I would have thought billboards wouldn't allow that because anybody's going to see it driving by. I know, but they somehow were able to say like, That's, yeah, 80, 85% of 85% of the people driving by are 21 plus is somehow they were able to construe it. And a lot of people use the billboards. Uh, I mean, we don't because we don't think billboards are a great strategy, especially for brand. But for for like, so there's like things like that you can do. And the only, the strongest impact you have is by being in stores, right? So if you're in the store, we will sell for that little period of time, we'll sell like 10, 12 beverage enhancers in that one little period that we're in the store. When we're not in the store, people don't really know we exist. So it's Got like, it. it's so like- you're having to put money into your sampling, into your- yeah you know, in-store exactly. presence. So and we're profitable on the sampling side because of that, because we can send, sell 10 to 12 of them in that, you know, couple hours that that, we're, that that brand ambassador's in that store. But it's like, you know, you can only scale that up so much because now we're talking about real humans and, you know, it's, it's, not, just like a, it's yeah. not like programmatic yeah. advertising. You just turn it on and it just works, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so things like that are problematic for the industry at the moment. It'll get looser. It's only going to get more loose. It's not going to get more restrictive. Wow. I feel like I have really ramped myself up and hopefully a big portion of my audience here in 45 minutes. I mean, this was like a rapid fire. This was great. This was great. Well, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to start doing some more live streaming, and that's probably what we'll do next with you. Excellent. We'll have you back on. We'll do some live stream, and you can you can show us some product that way. It'd be kind of cool. Yeah, fantastic. We'd love to. I think that, that, that'd be a lot of fun. What, now, in terms of like finding you online, uh, social handles, if people want to learn more and discover where you are in your states, what's the best way to, to connect with you, Jason? So me personally, like I said, we also I'm also promoting my personal brand. And so it's just my full name and most social platforms. So Instagram is Jason Reposa. Face, uh, LinkedIn is Jason Reposa. Those are my two biggest platforms right now. LinkedIn is more business focused, of course. Uh, Instagram is more like fun, where I'm infusing random things. Like one of my one of my more popular videos over the last couple months was me infusing snow. Um, I saw that one. Yeah, that was a fun one to make. And then um, and then on the company, it's getgoodfeels.com. So get g e t goodfeels.com. Getgoodfeels.com. Yeah, that's awesome. Jason, I think we could have gone on and on. Um, there was a lot of different rabbit holes that I could have picked. <laughs> Absolutely. Was, I know how it hard. feels. It was hard to choose, you know, which one do I want to spend more time on? Um, well, that's great. Was there anything that uh, maybe you wanted to say that I didn't get to? 
No, we're good here. I actually, I think we got a lot out of this and I don't want to muddle it with more because there's a, there'll be another time for Less that. Less is more. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Jason, great talking to you today again, my friend. Thank you so much, Tony.